Blog Talk Radio. Hello and welcome to Gigabit Nation. I'm your host, Craig Settles, and we're here to help public, private, and nonprofit organizations get broadband everywhere it needs to be. Um, yesterday was a very good day for community broadband as we have um, some, what was the number? That would be uh, 46 communities cities, counties, couple school districts that had referendum to uh, get their rights to run uh, or manage their own broadband. And this has been a huge uh, thing for us because um, this restriction, which was uh, done a number of years ago, was on uh, the the uh, directive, really, of a lot of the incumbents who are trying to keep municipal networks from being uh, enabled. And the big thing is that our opposition has has diminished a lot over the last couple of years, I mean, as in the, the incumbent um, uh, problems with uh, these things uh, getting passed, to where now it's like, you almost got slammed up. And so we're very, very pleased, and we're going to talk about and with a lot of communities about uh, what their uh, day after is like and what the plans of the future are for, for, for community, broad, community broadband. So helping with the analysis today, I have Ken Fellman, who is the general counsel uh, with the Colorado Communications and Utility Alliance, uh, it's interesting because um, and and Ken, welcome welcome to the show. Thank you, Craig. Uh, when 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 I first met Ken, when I was writing my first book on municipal wireless networks, he was a mayor uh, in in Colorado, and so he has been in this. Pretty much from from the beginning. I mean, what 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 was it like in the in the uh, of the days of the you know when you were mayor? Well, um, Craig, it, 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 I served as mayor of Arvada, Colorado. Arvada is a, a suburban community on the northwest side of Denver. It's over a hundred thousand people, so it's a large community. And I, I was honored to serve on the city council for six years and as mayor for eight years. Uh, from the um, oh, about 1993 to 2007, and uh, I will tell you, in those years, there were not many mayors and council members who were talking about broadband. I mean, we weren't even using the term broadband, but we, you know, not talking about government communications uh, and not really staying on top of that. And over the years, probably towards the end of my term. Uh, which is when wireless, you know, was was getting bigger and more popular, and everybody wanted to do a wireless network. There, there started to be more awareness about it, uh, and uh, since that time, uh, in in the uh, eight years uh, since I've been in uh, a public official, uh, it's been great to see how many elected officials have recognized that broadband is an integral part of their community's future. Um, and, and really, back when I was mayor, if you asked what are your top five issues, broadband was not on the list for most mayors, but it is today in large communities and small. And, and uh, the um, the involvement by communities in the electoral process 
has obviously uh, mushrooms because um, there have been several communities over time. I guess the most famous uh, is uh, Longmont. Um, they have actually run my show a couple of times, and um, they didn't do very well the first um, election, and, and the incumbents paid, spent out, I don't know, several hundred thousand dollars, which they also did when the following uh, election uh, came to be. But things changed because um, Longmont was uh, successful with their initiative, Centennial, and there were, what, there were some eight in the election in November last year, and then we have today um, 46. What do you think that means? Is that a clear sign that um, that, a, that a lot of communities are going to take the ball and run with it? What's, you, what's your take? Well, I, I think you need to look a little bit at our, our legislation itself, the legislation that was passed in 2005 that creates these barriers to um, – uh, to local governments being involved in broadband deployment, not just those like Longmont that chose to be a broadband service provider, but governments that were just looking at investing their resources in deploying broadband in order to create public-private partnerships and incentives for private sector entities to come in and compete and provide uh, better, faster, more affordable broadband. Uh, so this this bill that was passed in 2005, it actually started out as almost a complete prohibition. There were uh, many, many hurdles that were completely unreasonable, and it was amended to ultimately um, leave us with a couple of exceptions I'm not going to get into, and uh, the larger ex exception was if you take it to a local vote and your citizens vote to exempt yourselves, from uh, the restrictions of this bill that prohibit uh, cities and towns and counties from being involved in broadband, uh, then you can do that. And, of course, there's a cost in that. Governments are not allowed to pay to campaign. And as Longmont learned the first time around, when someone comes to campaign against you, uh, it, it becomes very difficult. And just to put an issue on the ballot um, costs taxpayer dollars. So it, it basically took an, an area of traditional local control where a city or a county could build a park, they could build a street, they could build a rec center um, without going to the voters every time and saying, is it okay if we do this? But to put in fiber and use it as an economic development tool, um, we had this hurdle that we had to get over, which was go to an election. Um, last year, uh, our state local government organizations, the Colorado Municipal League and the Colorado Counties, Inc., um, worked really hard to try to get some modest amendments to this legislation um, to take away the vote requirement when a community had no intention of being a service provider but simply wanted to be involved in public-private partnerships. And there was tremendous pushback from some of the industry incumbents. Uh, we had the potential. I think we could have gotten a bill passed through the House but it became real clear from the Senate leadership that nothing was going to happen in the Senate. Uh, so we didn't even get the bill introduced. So, and, and I think what happened after that experience was the local government community decided if we can't even make modest amendments to this legislation, 
uh, if there's going to be that much pushback from our General Assembly, then then let's not look at that as a potential option anymore. Let's just try to educate local governments as to what it takes to take back control over your broadband future. And I think that's why we saw so many communities put election issues on the ballot now, and I think we'll continue to see more of that in the future. Mm -hmm. That was going to be my next question was, you know, should we expect – that there will be, I mean, I don't know how many cities there are in in the state, but um, are we, ex you know, expecting to see lots and lots of those over the next couple of now election cycles? You know, I mean, or <laughs> I was joking with someone that we should just, you know, have a broadband freedom day in which everybody that is interested just puts one ballot, uh, you know, put their their referendum out there. And we just get this thing over and done with, but I don't know how that actually will will proceed. Yeah. Well, what what are your take on that? <clears throat> well, it I mean it's always hard to predict, as you pointed out correctly. After the Longmont experience, um, most of the communities and perhaps all of them even that have put this issue on the ballot to exempt themselves from the restrictions of the statute have not faced industry opposition. And that's been a good thing. Um, there's no assurance that that's not going to change. So I think um, part of the answer to the question of are we going to see more and more of this uh, is going to depend upon whether the uh, incumbents sit on the sideline and let these local governments go forward without any organized opposition. Uh, and if, if that is the case, then yes, I, th I think we saw 46 uh, this year, I think, was the number, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see more in the spring. Some of our jurisdictions have spring elections, and then a lot more in uh, next year's general election in November. So, uh, you know, the other thing I would point out is that a lot of these communities um, are very, very conservative uh, communities politically. Um, most governments, I mean, Longmont, uh, is a service provider, and some municipal broadband entities, uh, not just in Colorado but throughout the country, as you know, are service providers directly to residents and businesses. But a lot of uh, communities really don't want to be service providers. They just want to be able to use their resources to help get more broadband deployed um, by the public sector, the private sector, the nonprofit sector, anyone who's willing to come in and provide better broadband. And, uh, you know, some of these communities, I think if you walk down the street and ask 100 people, should the government compete with the private sector, they'd all say absolutely not. But they still vote overwhelmingly for these exemptions from the statute because they feel in their community they're not getting the service that they need to be a sustainable community going forward. And and I think based on what happened yesterday, uh, we're going to see a push for more and more of that uh, to the point where I hope that um, in the not-too-distant future, every community in Colorado will once again have local authority to have control over their broadband future. So if we've decided we're, we're pretty, uh, pretty much just, you know, assured that there won't be in the opposition to these ballot initiatives, what do you think the um, response of the incumbents might be? Because last year, when they had, when you had the election, 
the day after, Comcast announced that they're going to give uh, a speed increase for all of its uh, customers nationwide and statewide. Um, one, did they actually do that in the end? Um, and what what might they do this year? Well, now now we're getting into an area where I really um, dare not tread because far be it for me to predict <laughs> what Comcast or any other incumbent um, might do. But I, I do think if you look at, um, and you know this, um, hopefully a lot of our listeners know this, if you look at where there has been a non-incumbent party come in and provide gigabit connectivity into a community that previously didn't have it, the incumbents have stepped up and upgraded their networks and ha have started to compete with that. So whether it's a municipal utility like Chattanooga uh, or Lafayette, Louisiana, uh, or whether it's Google Fiber in Austin, um, I, I think the potential for local governments being involved in upgrading the broadband networks that will provide competitive services, uh, the incumbents uh, are going to have to make some decisions about do we want to upgrade and provide uh, faster and more affordable services here. And I know uh, that at least one of the people we're going to be speaking with uh, today, uh, if we're still planning on getting Virgil on the on the show, uh, mm -hmm. has some experience with how the industry reacted once uh, the city of Montrose passed their exemption uh, to Senate Bill 152 a while back. So uh, I, I guess generally I, I hope the incumbents will step up and provide uh, better service because at, at the end of the day, that's what most of these governments want. Like I said, they don't want to be in the business. Right. But now I have to ask my 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 competitive nature dictates that I ask um, if you're a place like um, we'll call Salisbury for example, which is a fairly small um, community. Uh, I mean it's not tiny, but it's still small. Um, they've got uh, you know your average size IT department, and they're um, upgrading their network to be a 10 megabit network. So if you have the ability to deliver a 10 gig network when the incumbents are sort of plodding along and trying to catch up with, you know, maybe it's 50 megs, maybe it's 100, wouldn't it make sense to just say, you know, we'll just do the the the, the ultimate now and and just you know in essence trump the incumbents by offering this outrageously fast uh network as a result well i i think in some communities that's um that's a viable option and in others it's not and mm, and okay. frankly that's again wh why getting past the restrictions of our state statute is so important so that, you know, those communities where it makes sense uh, economically to say we're going to put in that kind of a network uh, and compete directly uh, can do that and uh, and others may will choose a different path. So it, to me, it's, it's possible and perhaps likely that some communities will do that, but um, the variety of ways to promote broadband, as you know, is 
as wide as the variety of different kinds of communities that we have in Colorado and throughout the nation, uh, which means there's a lot of different ways to do this. That's very true. I'm gonna we're gonna um, call uh, Jenny Sayer Sawyer to Sawyer. Uh, from Fort uh, Collins to uh, weigh in, and uh, they were one of the many uh, that had a successful. Um, this is Jenny. Hi, good afternoon. This is Craig Settles. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Excellent, and congratulations. Thank you. Was there ever a doubt in your mind uh, of what the outcome was going to be with this uh, with this election, at least for the the uh, referendum? Well, based on um, you know some of the outreach and communication we'd heard from the public ahead of time, I was we were reasonably confident. But seeing a seeing a 83% approval rating certainly just puts that over the top. Wow. Seriously, that is that's great. That's awesome. Um Yeah, it is. What do you what do you attribute that high response to exactly? Um I think I think one people are are desiring um better or different service. I think people are open to uh, what the city m- may be able to provide. And, and as you've already pointed out, that doesn't mean that we're the provider, but a variety of, of business models and, and options to help facilitate a higher level of service. And we do own our own utility, so we're a utility provider, and I think it shows some trust in our ability to provide services. Hmm. So, um, have you guys developed a specific plan or the beginnings of a plan? I mean, what's what's going to drive the the discussion now that we've uh, survived the the the, the election? Um, for the Fort Collins community, uh, the city will certainly will do some feasibility analysis on all those numerous different. Uh, business models and and possibilities, but then ultimately it will be a very uh, robust community discussion around really what role do our citizens want the city to play. Hmm. Okay. And just from your your perspective, what kinds of things have have you heard from the the citizenry? Like what what kinds of uh, you know, just the connection and people will just be happy with that. Are people looking at very specific ways to implement the broadband uh, or the access that it gives you? Um, I I haven't heard a lot on specific ways of implementing. We have certainly heard, uh, in, and this is probably nothing new, pe- people are looking for a, a higher level of even customer service in mm. in their service, whatever that might be. Um, and I think again, being a municipal-owned utility, we've we've proven a high level of customer service in that arena. And then, you know, in our small and, and mid-sized business, there's certainly some need, and people are very interested. We are very focused on the residential, in a sense, and whatever we do, we want to make sure that that there's a 
good equity amongst our entire community in whatever comes forward. Mm-hmm. How, how many uh, people do you have, by the way, in your in your town? We're about 158,000, and we're about 52 square miles. Okay. Jenny, you might want to mention also just a little bit about Fort Collins and being a university community and how the high-tech industry um, impacts your local economy. Um, it's true. So we have our major employers. We have Colorado State University, which probably they're probably pushing – 27, 30,000 students, and it's a major research institution. We also have quite a few tech sort of companies, HPs, Avagos, Woodward Governor, um, and those uh, types of businesses that are certainly, they're probably getting what they need. They've taken care of that, but would certainly be players here. And then our health system is another large uh, anchor institution, as the term I've learned, um, operating here. And then, of course, our school district would be a major um, player. With 158,000, I'm not going to know the exact numbers of full-on K-12 through schools, but it, it's significant at this point. Mm-hmm. Do you know if there's a lot of um, E-rate uh, funding that the schools have in in general? Um or do you get into that part of the, you know, technical uh, stuff? Yeah, I do not know. And no, I don't know the technical stuff well. <laughs> well, you know, it's <laughs> one. I mean, you know that, that 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 this will probably get there. Now, how would you rate the 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 the, the quality of your um, broadband currently? Like, where are we coming from, and where do we expect to go to? Um, again, I, I think those sort of anchor institutions, in a sense, have, have taken care of their the majority of their needs or have found workarounds in that sense. Again, in our sort of outreach and as we were out ahead of this being referred to the ballot and engaging the public, we were really hearing from the small to mid-sized businesses and residential customers who are not getting what they need in terms of either being able to to run a business efficiently or, um, again, the customer service and price point piece. Okay. So so money uh, or the, the cost and the relative to performance is, is a big issue with them, uh, with your constituents. Yeah, and bundling. You know, we heard a lot about that. Um, yeah, so... Cost, options, bundling, and level of of service, hmm. especially those well, that are that are savvy enough to to run those speed tests, know what they should be getting, and and that are aware of what they're actually getting. Okay, well that's uh, definitely a, uh, a a plus, and it sounds like although I should ask this one question. Um, so did you do a fairly extensive? Um, education effort in the lead-up to the um, vote? Because I know that once the ballot issue is, is like, yeah, in the on, on the books, um, the city can't, uh, in essence, politic for the, the passing of the referendum. So I'm guessing that a lot of educational activity has to happen before 
that that cutoff point. It does, and we uh, we we didn't realize till late in the game that we really had sort of council support to say go in November. So we did a very constrained uh, educational outreach push and development of materials because once those materials are out there and all fact based, they we can continue to put have those on our website. So we did do that, and then again, we're just fortunate. Um, we have a, a highly educated population, and so we had a, a very strong citizen committee come together, and as soon as that ballot measure was referred, they were registered and out there promoting, educating, letters to the editor, the, you know, that whole side of things. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you go, but I, I really appreciate you yeah. taking your time. And again, congratulations on your, on your victory there. Thank you so much, and to all those other communities. All righty. Take care. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. So, Ken, it sounds like a lot of education uh, process is, is important. Um, at this juncture, given the amount of, uh, uh, what would it be, uh, publicity that we've gotten as a result of um, Chattanooga and all of those big, high-profile projects in other states, do you feel like you have a less of a need to have um, education that people pretty much know that that broadband and community broadband is is generally been a a winner? Um, I don't think we're anywhere close to that yet, Craig. I... I, um uh i think there's a lot of people who run in the same circles that we do um and maybe some that are uh connected on the edges that uh have a, a view about some of the successes uh that some municipal broadband projects have had uh but I, again i think the average jane and joe on the street in communities through at least throughout my state and i i would imagine others um don't know what's happening in in Wilson North Carolina and Chattanooga and other places and and I and as as we just heard from Ginny um and this is not unique to broadband uh, but in Colorado if we're going to put an issue on the ballot because the government can't spend money to run a campaign uh, before that officially goes on the ballot that's when the educational process has to take place, um, whether it's a bond issue for a, a new sewer plant or whether it's uh, the permission to exempt yourselves from this state statute that we have. So um, I, I think there still is a need for a lot of education and, and community support. And I think in the communities where this has passed, um, uh, you have um, you have good degrees of that to uh, look to. Okay. I'm going to get uh, John um Brynan on the uh, phone, who is from uh, Clear Creek County, which seems like, uh, based on um, what I've seen, uh, this was a fairly rural and mountainous uh, area. Yeah, Clear Creek is a, I mean, it's a great place. It's because it's so close to Denver. Uh, It's the first mountain county um, but it is it is much more of a rural environment than the. Okay. Clearview County. This is John. John. Good afternoon. This is Craig Settles. Hey, Craig. How you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing great, and I'm gathering the folks 
uh, in your county are doing great as well. Congratulations on your yeah, uh, thank on, you on your victory. Hey, um, is it possible that you could call me back on my landline? Yeah, can I give you a different number? Well, give me a second. Sure. Yeah. The problem is, we, yeah, we don't we don't have good broadband here, so we have to use a landline. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. What what's the number? Yeah. Here? Okay. Uh, area code three zero three. Uh huh. Six seven nine. Six seven nine. Two three zero seven. Three two. Yeah. Two. Three. Yeah. Two three zero seven. Got it. All right. I'll get back in one second. I've got a group here. We're ready to talk, so. Okay, hold on one sec. Okay, thanks, Craig. So, Ken, this is a, um, even though it's uh, right next to Denver, uh, roughly, this sounds like it's a fairly, is is it physically isolated by its mountain ranges or what, uh, well, inter- Interstate 70, which is our major east-west interstate, uh, cuts right through Clear Creek County. Uh, Clear Creek has uh, four small municipalities, Idaho Springs, Georgetown, Empire, and Silver Plume. Uh, it has a ski area, the Loveland Basin Ski Area, um, which is right on the east side of the Continental Divide. Uh, so, But it has a history of mining that has always been the big industry in the past. It has uh, a tourist industry now. Uh, has a very famous old uh, railroad, um, and uh, and there are people who live in Clear Creek County who commute to Denver uh, to work, but it, it's a county like so many others that are looking at ways to develop jobs closer to home, uh, and in order to do that, again, broadband is a big part of it. Okay. Let's see, I hope I got the numbers right. Hello, you have reached Donna G., Administrative Assistant with Clear Creek County. Unfortunately, I will be out of the office on Friday, October 30th. Please feel free to leave your name, number, and a message, and I will get back to you upon my return. I think we'll have to call John and do... Because, I, I, well, unfortunately, my system can't uh, navigate out of a... Um, voicemail system. Be patient. We will be here in just a second. The joys of radio. Hey, Craig, is this you again? Yeah, because you have a voicemail system, and there is a voicemail there message, and my system gotcha. can't now get out okay. of that. So we should just, we should just have, you know have a conversation. I'm didn't you know we'll just we'll just work, work from there. Um, can can I call you back then? Yes. Um, can I call into you? Three, okay, what's the best number? Three, two, three, six. Seven nine zero eight four five. Okay. Three two three six seven nine zero eight two three. Uh zero uh, eight 
four, five. Yep. Eight, four, five. Three, two, three, six, seven, nine, zero, eight, four, five. I'll call you right back. Okay. Okay, thank you. I don't know if that worked. Okay. So, Ken, what do you think, um, in addition to uh, hopefully at least no opposition from incumbent, but what kind of um, partnerships do you think will happen now as a result of this, you know, many communities um, getting involved and passing these referendum? Yeah, I, I I think it creates some great opportunities for partnerships, and I, I think a little bit later on in the show, uh, if we have an opportunity to talk to uh, Durango uh, Councilor Dick White, um, you know, he'll talk a little bit about the regional network that they have in southwest Colorado um, okay. that already has been involved in partnerships with ISPs to improve broadband in the southwest part of our state and how uh, some of these elections in his city and in some of the other cities and, and counties in that region um, have put them in a position to expand and enhance those partnerships. Uh, again, whether their model can be replicated in other parts of the state, maybe it can and maybe it can't. I know northwestern Colorado is looking uh, carefully at what they've done in southwestern Colorado and trying to figure out uh, what might, what lessons they can learn um, in their regional broadband planning. Um, so I, I think there's just great opportunity for uh, these governments that are going to be investing in infrastructure to encourage other private sector companies to come in and tie into those networks and expand those networks and make them more beneficial. Okay. And I think John's on the line this time. Yeah, correct. Can you hear us? Excellent. We're good. We're good. Thank you for being patient. I've got uh, I got half of Clear Creek County here. Where do you talk to you? <laughs> so well, I'll, I'll introduce the folks time. here. So we, we've got a, a Clear Creek County Board of Commissioner, Phil Buckland, is with us. And, and well, also, well, yeah, you, also man. John Bottomley, and he's our IT director. Okay. Well, so you've got all the experts that can talk about it from Clear Creek County's okay. perspective. Let's talk about where do you go from here? What Do you have a very clear uh, direction that you've mapped out? Have you, you know, or is it looking, you know, that you'll be creating that kind of a plan in the, in the upcoming months? So uh, this is John Bottomley. Uh, we are uh, starting a... a study to update some research that we've done here so that we have uh, good data uh, regarding uh, delivery of service and usage in the area uh, so that we can then map out specific use cases uh, and plan for implementation projects to address those directly. Okay. And Craig, I think it should be important to know, this is John Bryan, that uh, we're also going to partner, I believe, with Gilpin County, which is, you know, right next to us. Okay. And in the study, and so what it'll do is it'll tell us and help us find those priorities and those hot spots that we need to pay attention to. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, in terms of the the general attitude of the the, the population, do people uh, um, readily understand the um, the the shortcomings 
of not having good broadband, uh, what does this do for the, the community? Uh, this is Phil Buckland, uh, and yes, they understand. We passed it, or they passed it, about 84% in favor. 80, yeah, 86. Whoa. And so they understand uh, the importance of it for the education, for business, uh, for quality of life. And back to John's point, uh, one of the things we want to do is to show that there's a pent-up need here that Comcast and CenturyLink, their legacy carriers, are not providing, not serving, and also ask the state of Colorado that uh, this is important to a rural community, and they've got fiber running in the right-of-way of the uh, highway, and we want access to that as a carrier neutral site, or what do we need to do to get uh, broadband service available in our county when it's running right through our county and we don't have access to it. So our community answered your question, yes. When they approved of that uh, overwhelming, and we did very little campaigning, they were basically asking us to do something, and, and now we got the uh, mandate to, like John said, to study it and get, get on with it. Now, do you think that um, having passed this by such a wide majority, does that give you um, leverage that the um, private sector will respond to? Because I can see one of two things happening. You know, the, the, the incumbents come to the table because clearly you guys are committed to solving the problem. Um, and Or they could just basically ignore it and not do anything with it uh, including the the, um, the the pipes that run through your community that you can't get to, and they'll be they'll continue to be like they've been in the past. Which way do you think they might fall? I don't know, uh, but you're absolutely right, and that's what we're going to do first to go tell them. Uh, hey, we've got this uh, desire, and we're going to do something one way or the other. And yep. what John said. We will help the process by doing some of the study and the legwork of showing what the uh, uh, demand is and, and things of that nature. And so we're hoping that the uh, the legacy carriers will say, yeah, uh, there's something here. But if they don't, then uh, we're prepared to do what we can uh, to facilitate other folks and politically through the, the process of uh, maybe we talk about in the future if uh, – if the legacy carriers don't work with us to offer franchises in the county uh, for this type of a utility. But those are just things we're thinking of. We hope that uh, the existing carriers and any other new carriers will work with us and uh, and uh, provide better service, and that's what we're really after. Excellent. Now, from an, IS, from an IT perspective, does the terrain – Prevent, uh, present a really difficult chore for the for, for the for the community because I've heard some stories from other places where the the, the the terrain could become just you know almost insurmountable. Um, how do you sort of assess you know how the terrain is going to work for you guys when you start to move forward? So uh, this is John Bottomley again. Um, the terrain in this region is certainly challenging, um, but I would say those challenges definitely fall into the category of being surmountable. 
Mm-hmm. Um, we have a you know, variety of technologies that we can draw on to provide service depending on a given use case. Uh, we're also in a situation where uh, the vast majority of our population live in areas that uh, where distribution of service is not as challenging. Uh, so mm-hmm. it depends on which piece of the problem we're trying to tackle. Um, but there are solutions for essentially all of them. We do have some uh, residents, I happen to be one of them, uh, that live in areas that are not going to be readily served, uh, really by any means. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, that's a very small portion of the population. Uh, these challenges, I expect, uh, can be met. Um, I know we're in the early parts of this whole process, but do you ex- expect there to be a combination of wired and wireless? Because I've got a, ma- a magazine wants to quote. We specifically wants to know that question. Um, you know, how, how's the wireless? You know, how do you see the the blending of the two, or do you see a, plen- a um, blending of the two? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, there is uh, room in this uh, in this solution for uh, uh, buried fiber optic, aerial fiber optic, copper. Uh, licensed wireless uh, microwave, you know, particularly in uh, possibly for some backhaul use cases, uh, unlicensed wireless, uh, LTE. Um, wow. There's there's a use case uh, for nearly every technology in the marketplace, uh, depending on which piece of the problem we're trying to tackle. Okay, I think that um, you know, as a sort of a, a, a future note, I think that. Um, Having that kind of data, because one of the problems of community broadband, I would say, for the last four or five years, has been it's very difficult to get data that sort of talks about where you're going or where you could go. And um, and I remember even talking to people in Chattanooga. It's like everyone was so busy trying to execute the, on building the network that trying the, to get together and, and assessing data and collecting data and so forth is a real challenge. So I, I applaud you for taking uh, some some cycles uh, to, to, to devote it to the uh, gathering of data because your other you will help a lot of communities besides yourself by having uh, that that data. So by you know go with it. <laughs> I, I appreciate that, that comment. Um, yeah, I come from a network engineering background, and mm-hmm. to the best of my knowledge, you can't really build out a network without a use case. Right. Um, so in uh, trying to avoid getting the cart out in front of the horse, uh, we're going to begin by identifying specific use cases and then tackling those as engineering projects. Excellent. That, is, that sounds perfect. Um I want to thank you guys, um, and then as you get down the road, you know, by all means, try to keep in touch um, because I always want to know how communities are moving, you know, forward and how successful and what kind of challenges and so forth um, because it really is very important for those of you who are in the trenches now that um, that you get that information back to the rest of the the communities because everybody can learn from what you guys do and uh, I just think it's really great 
that you, that you you know you passed the the referendum and now it's you know I would like to say it's clear sailing. I'll call it um, progress. We will make progress. It'll just someday it'll probably be harder than others to kind of say why are we doing this. But I think overall, um, you know, with that work will come a lot of benefits for your constituents. Hey, so, hey, yeah. Frank. Craig, before you let our friends in Clear Creek County go, um, as long as we've got uh, Commissioner Buckland on the phone, we talked earlier in the show about how broadband is viewed by elected officials today, and I think it would be interesting if he could just take a minute or so from a non-technical standpoint as an elected official who is looking out for the best interests of the future of the Clear Creek County community. Why is this important? This is our uh, economic... uh engine. This is our fourth utility. This is what uh, provides our education for our kids. This is what provides uh, business development because any uh, business uh, requires uh, broadband to work. Uh, It's not just cell phones. It's broadband for the community. So it's our uh, economic future that when people move in, they don't want to have to ask, gee, do I have electricity? Nor do they want to ask, do I have broadband? So this is our, our economic future. Excellent. I appreciate the, uh, the, the the feedback. And again, thank you very much for uh, being a part of our show. We really, really do appreciate it. Yeah, thanks, guys. We appreciate it as well, and uh, we look forward to hearing other good success stories and sharing ours as well. Excellent, excellent. Take care. Okay, thank you. So, Ken, I have a question. Um, have many discussions uh been had here about the uh about co-ops um i know that virgil when he was on my show a couple of weeks ago you know talked about the value of the co-ops you know in conjunction with the municipal uh efforts and i was wondering what your what your thoughts are in that and on, on that um, I, I think depending upon where you are in the state, um, there. Uh, when you say co-ops, I assume you're talking about electric cooperatives, um, Those entities and that, co-ops. or telephone co-ops, right? Entities that own poles, so own assets that can be used in broadband deployment. Uh, there are some that are um, much more willing to be involved as partners in. Uh, moving broadband deployment forward than others, and uh, and I I think that uh, my at least my experience in in the recent months dealing with some that are and some that are not demonstrates to me that uh, like so many other issues we have a lot of education still to do um, because uh, particularly with the electric co-ops that you know are, are not in the broadband business and if they've got fiber. Uh, or communications networks on their poles, they're using it for their own uh, operations, uh, that we have an opportunity to engage with those entities and partner with them and uh, reduce the cost of deploying new networks based on the assets that are already available. So I, I think we have a lot of work to do still in that area, and I applaud those communities that have co-ops that are actively involved in pursuing it um, like the um, uh, Delta Montrose uh, co-op in uh, in Virgil's neck of the woods. Okay, um, I want to get uh, Todd um, Barnes uh, from Thornton 
to uh, weigh in and get a little bit of his feedback here. So let's see if we can get a connection. Todd, good morning. I believe that's good morning. Good afternoon. This is Craig Settles. How are you today? I'm well, Craig. How are you? Doing well. And congratulations <clears throat> on your victory yesterday. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. So, what what was the, what was the margin of victory? Because everybody's wanting to know what the what the what the results were everywhere. It was seventy nine to twenty one. All right. Seventy nine so, in favor. Not a whole lot of ambiguity here. Um, so <laughs> give us a little bit of idea of what this election and what the prospect of broadband means for your citizens. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the things that went into the consideration of, of pursuing this for us was the ability to go to have speed to market. Um, we don't have a specific broadband plan to be a provider in any way right now, but you know we have a very large um, <clears throat> business district that's um, set set to go on into development here. It's uh, it's one of the largest areas um, north of just barely north of Denver, and um, we would like to have the ability to be very nimble if something provided it you know provided an opportunity for us to get into this area and without having to say well we like the idea of this however we have to have a vote so you're going to have to just hang tight so that was not something that was appealing to us and our city council and mm -hmm. we decided to just remove that barrier excellent and clearly now now what was the what was the thing that resonated the most with your um, well, let's start with the, the the city council, but then from but also you know what was the big thing that resonated with the average uh, person on the street? I I think the thing that kind of struck me was the fact that most people didn't know about this this barrier imposed by the state legislature, oh, and wow. they just didn't understand why why that barrier would be in place in the beginning. Oh. And so a lot of people, I, I saw a lot of raised eyebrows and head scratching as I explained this to people, and um, you know, people just seem to think that it just didn't make a whole lot of sense in the first place. Mm -hmm. Well, clearly, so, um, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, well, I mean, once the it was actually a pretty argument to make once you kind of got into explaining how it came to be in the first place and and what mm -hmm. we believed the cure was for that and why the cure was necessary. Okay. Do you think that the um the way forward will be some sort of public private partnership or um there are some there are some communities in other parts of this um uh, country who feel that there's never going to be a private um, entity, so it's going to be them or nothing. Where do where do you guys fit on that sort of that continuum? Um, I would say we don't really know is the is the real answer, but I, I would say that the leaning right now is to definitely have some sort of a partnership. Should that um, should that we go down that road? You know, we ha we have some pretty um, pretty serious internet backbone opportunities going directly through our city. 
So we have a we have some unique opportunities when it comes to uh, getting into the broadband business with partners that are already existing in our city. Okay, so you definitely um, are moving moving this thing forward. Um, do you well? So so obviously uh, in your case, it was doing the referendum as a way to get it out of the way, so that then you're 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 fleeing flee. Uh, you're free to go whichever way you want to go. Um, how would you define the the, the level of need? Because uh, in some places they have you know really bad service, um, in other places they have you know decent service, but it just pay, it's costs too much. Um, that's again, that's really where that's really where we fall. Is that okay. the broadband penetration in our in our community is actually pretty high. Um, however, um, we have a pretty wide range of socioeconomics from the north end of our city to the south end of our, our city. And the price point for uh, accessible high-speed broadband just doesn't work for many. And so, you know, that's a, that's a strong argument to be able to make to elected officials about the digital divide that exists. And, you know, it's nice to have this extra tool in our in our toolbox if we decided to, to do something about it in that manner. Okay. Um, one, one thing I do want to make sure I touch on is um, you're a part of the NATOA uh, uh, organization, and um, and I think that would put you in, position, in a position to have a reading of how other communities in the state uh, deal with broadband or what their perceptions of broadband are. What do you, do you think that the the, the um, enthusiasm for this referendum measure that went yesterday is that kind of feeling uh, there for the rest of the the communities in the state? Yeah, um so yeah, I have two roles. I'm I'm president of the state chapter for Natoa, called the CCOA, and I'm sure Ken has talked about that. And then I'm also I'm also on the board of directors for Natoa, the national organization. So, I can tell you that the I I sent a note to the national organization board of directors this morning and got overwhelming applause <laughs> via email. Um and uh, excitement from everybody and from our policy Listserv. Uh, people are excited to see the success of the communities in Colorado. Um, the CCUA, Ken and I spent a lot of time last year talking to a lot of different communities and a lot of statewide organizations. And there's there has been a pretty loud drumbeat to, you know, overcome this. And, you know, I would say the more and more that these communities throughout the state pass these ballot measures, the more irrelevant the state the state law becomes. Right. So, and I would consider that would be a, a big um, a big plus. Um, and the last question, we'll, we'll have to move on. But um, do you think that because of the, the the level of support, that you have a good lever lever to get um, private sector interest in getting um, well the price down? and also expanding the capabilities of the technology. Um, you know what? I, I'm i not an engineer, but I think I know enough about the trends to say that, that even municipalities getting into the business seems to provide another level of competition. 
Um, whether or not the private industry decides, you know, to seriously compete with that or not, we don't know. But um, it's interesting to see how it's uh, how that's being affected across the country. And I'm actually interested to see how they end up competing in Longmont here in Colorado. Excellent. Well, well, thank you very much. I really appreciate your time. And, you know, I've been following the state and what's been going on there for the last six, seven year, years. And I'm definitely looking forward of, uh, you know, keeping in touch as you guys move forward with, uh, with broadband. So thank you very much. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. All righty. Um, I want to, let's see, first I want to, uh, Ken, I want to get an idea. So, um, do you think that the health industry will take a liking to this move uh, to get broadband? Because I think a lot of community, a lot of in, people in the industry, the healthcare industry, really think that broadband could be a key to getting better healthcare services what's what's your take on that you know i i i think broadband is absolutely critical to the healthcare industry and particularly um i, I don't want to say exclusively because that wouldn't be accurate but particularly in rural colorado and in in rural parts of the country uh we, we had a broadband conference here last week um and one of the speakers talked about um uh her dad uh, having medical uh, issues, and uh, I think having a pacemaker and being able to get on a scale in the morning that had wireless connectivity and uh, certain readings could be taken from the scale and from the pacemakers and would be wirelessly sent to a uh, hospital that was nowhere close to uh, where this person lived and where it was kind of hard to you know, get out to a doctor appointment. And somebody could monitor it and get back every day and say, uh, yes, you're doing well, or increase your medication here or there, or I think you need to come in. And, you know, those, that's just one example of um, making better health care accessible for all Americans and, and for cutting the cost of health care, because otherwise that person would be driving to the doctor to have those tests. Um, and, and there's a whole range of impacts um, on the individual, on the environment, on the community from having to get in your car and drive 45 miles to do that. So uh, broadband is absolutely critical uh, for health care uh, as we move forward, and that's one of the you know big pieces of this puzzle that we're trying to put together. Excellent. Now I want to switch over with uh, to Scott Vargo, who's the uh, assistant county manager at Summit County, and see... Uh, what do you have to say about this uh, whole thing? Or not. Hello, you've reached Scott Vargo, Assistant Summit County Manager. I'm currently unable to take your call. Please leave your name, number, and a brief message, and I'll return your call as soon as possible. Record your message at the tone. When you are finished, hang up or press pound for more options. Scott, this is Craig Settles uh, from Gigabit Nation. Um, if you're around and can uh, be a part of our call, our number is 303-566-1000. 
323-679-0845. Thank you very much. Bye. So, um, that takes me a little bit. Um, from your perspective, um, Ken, what types of applications, or are there any particular type of applications that are going to be uh, of major interest, or is it just the connectivity uh, or the sheer fact of having connectivity what will make this uh, whole movement worthwhile at the end? Well, uh, boy, when we get into applications, um, now you're opening up a whole uh, a huge area, um, again, a little bit outside of the scope of my wheelhouse, but just from interacting with a number of local governments looking at this, um, having additional capacity at affordable prices, um, you know, creates um, a wide variety of new applications for go local governments to connect with their citizenry, uh, whether it's parking applications that show where there are available parking spaces in downtown Denver uh, or, um, you know, ability to uh, reserve tea times or, uh, you know, get information about uh, performing arts and uh, online um, uh, class uh, registration, all of those kind of things that, um, you know, we used to do by going onto a website and clicking on something, and there's there's just a, a variety of, of great new apps. Public safety is a whole other subset of this that, um, that there's a huge impact on uh, local governments having more flexibility. Uh, there's a lot of local governments that um, have, a, have a bunch of fiber connectivity that they use for their public safety networks, and um, it certainly is not that... Uh, expensive as an incremental increase in the cost when you're putting in a public safety network to add additional fiber that can be available for other uses um, or to expand the kind, again, the kind of applications that um, uh, that will, you know, better effectuate E911 systems and the text to 911 systems. You know, as, as, as our nation is going to start to transition to text to 911, uh, you're going to have people from some part of the country where they have text to 911, and then they're going to go someplace else that's not going to have it, and there's going to be an emergency, and they're going to text, and they're going to wonder why no one is responding. And especially in a state like Colorado, where we have um, a huge uh, tourist-based economy, we've got mm -hmm. a lot of people from out of state coming here. So if you've got those kind of apps in Austin, and you come out to Summit County, Colorado to ski, um, you know, you want to. You're you're expecting to have the same level of connectivity and the same availability of applications uh, when you get here. And uh, and I think having local governments uh, have the ability to expand the capacity of their networks will will help facilitate that. Okay, cool. Um, I'm going to swing again over to uh, the phones and get a hold of Dick White, who's a city councilor um, at Durango. By the way, where is Durango? Durango is in southwestern Colorado. It is <clears throat> It's the home of Fort Lewis College. Um, it's a, a city with... Uh, oh. Whoop, and there's... there's Hello, Dispark Settles. 
Hello, this is Dick White. Hey, how are you? Um, and and welcome to uh, uh, my show. I appreciate you taking time to uh, answer a couple of questions here on your victory lap, I guess, with the um, with the uh, referendum being very successful. Uh, and congratulations, by the way, for your success. What, well, thank you. Um, what uh, and I probably should ask. What what was your margin of victory there yesterday? Uh, in the city of Durango, it was ninety ten. Whoa! And uh, that I believe is the highest highest in our region. That's pretty impressive. Yeah. I, I, um, I gather. The, <laughs> I gather then that that broadband is considered a very vital issue there to get that kind of support. Um, uh, from the from from the citizens, uh, it it is, and uh, our the La Plata County Economic Alliance has made broadband for everybody uh, one of their prime goals, and so I think that definitely had a positive effect. The director of the Economic Alliance uh, went on our local. Um, um, TV station. Uh, this is a sort of online uh, TV broadcast that's distributed, and did a really nice interview saying all the reasons why this is good, and the local control issue I think plays very well. Uh, I think that more than anything else, I think the local control issue uh, carried the day in pretty much every community. Ah uh, yes, uh, the the uh, the ability to. Um have control of your of your uh fort future there is a big deal. Um how would you rate the overall level of broadband service there um for you for for the citizens? Uh it it's variable. Uh I think there's some uh particularly in the city one has, uh depending on your carrier you have pretty good access to high speed broadband. Uh, in rural parts of the county, not at all. And mm -hmm. actually, we had an economic summit last week, and one of the speakers who was advocating, actually on behalf of the alliance for uh, for the high uh, in, improved broadband, was basically said he relocated his business here f about four years ago from Texas, and he had found a really really nice house out in rural La Plata County. And decided not to go there because he didn't have decent inter internet access, mm -hmm. and so he wound up buying, I believe, buying a house in the city so that he would have access to high-speed internet because that was critical to his business. Okay. By the way, I think I have Scott on the line. Is Scott here? Yes. Great. Thank you for for, for getting back to us. Um, sure. I apologize. Our our phones aren't working. <laughs> That's not good. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's um let me ask a question that I have for both of you actually. Um and we'll start with Scott and then then switch over. But um I've been making the point a number of years that when you get down to the local level, broadband becomes less of a partisan issue that divides people and makes it that you can get all of the people, you know, almost regardless of party, on board with 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 broadband. So so sorry, what Scott, you know, is that true? And um, 
you know, how does that mean or what does that hold for the future? Or does that no longer a factor because you now have passed the referendum? Yeah, I think I think that certainly has been our experience in Summit County. Certainly, uh, with the results of the vote, we we passed that initiative by I think it was eighty nine percent, and so clearly we weren't we weren't looking at uh, party lines in terms of that that vote on allowing the county to get involved in in high speed or in in broadband services. So I, I certainly think that uh, your premise is accurate and. I would say that what it means for us going forward is, again, it shows a high level of support uh, from the community for us to try to, in some way, spur development or uh, create some public-private partnerships to try to improve the amount of uh, broadband access throughout our community. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dick, what's your what's your take? Is it similar, or do you see a different aspect of this whole bipartisan? I, I think that it 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 just it doesn't doesn't play as a partisan issue here. Uh, to give you an example, there was a tax issue on the ballot in La Plata County that failed by three or four percent, and the county voters at the same time passed the broadband initiative, eighty-five to fifteen. And That's so awesome. I think that you know the tax issue the tax issue really brings out uh, well both the fiscal concern uh, concerns. What, regardless of party, but I think the uh, we're typical of Colorado. We have about uh, roughly, a, actually, I think more independents than either Republicans or Democrats, and the rest are pretty equally split. So mm-hmm. our partisan elections are very close, but this is not. So I mean, I don't think this is a partisan issue at all. Uh, it is simply a matter of economic development, and I think in our our rural areas tend to be underserved. Uh, and we've got a poster child and one of our COG members in Silverton, they still don't have broadband access. And uh, they were promised that by one of the big telecom companies more than 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. And one of the issues with SB 152 is that, okay, you don't want the public uh, sector competing with the private sector in lucrative markets. But conversely, you, you don't want to inhibit the public sector from facilitating and partnering with private sector to provide the most cost-effective service for your region, whether it's public or combined or private, uh, solely private. It should be the most cost-effective thing for our people. Right. So, so my, my next question, which I also, you know, I'm going to ask for both of you, you know, as uh Elected officials. I'm assuming that you're both elected officials. Um, I know that you count the the city council. I'm assuming is. Um, yeah. Okay. So so starting with uh, with Dick. What's the role do you think of the elected officials in a in a town or a county uh, to move this project along? Because I mean, once you pass the the referendum. That's you know that's a, that's a milestone. Right? It's not not to be trivialized, but where, where does things change, and how does the elected officials, you know, affect that next step of uh, broadband uh, deployment? 
Craig, let me interrupt you before Dick answers. And um, I, I think it would be interesting as part of your answer, Dick, if if you could also just talk a little bit about the regional network in Southwest Colorado and the other communities that had the 152 elections, because um, you're, I know you look at this as, in your role as chairman of the Council of Governments, not just as a Durango issue, but as a Southwest Colorado regional issue. Um, so when you talk about the role of local elected officials, um, you know, broaden it a little bit outside of Durango and how it impacts your regional network. Okay, I'll try to try to answer in two in two parts here. One from my, you know, specifically Durango and La Plata County, and then the the, the second piece for the region. Uh, the in in the city and the county, uh, we have a, both the city and the county are partners with our Economic Development Alliance. Uh, we've done uh, developments with our uh, with private sector partners. The one of the examples we've used in, in campaigning for this was that the city of Durango, uh, as part of a sidewalk improvement project a couple of years ago, installed conduit uh, up and down Main Avenue, and SB 152 uh, would prohibit us from leasing that to the private sector, even though that's the most cost-effective option for both city and the county, or city and the private uh, private operators, and so. Uh, at this point, I think it's a management issue, uh, and the and I know our manager is anxious to uh, collaborate with the uh, private sector and say, "Hey guys, we've got this conduit. If you if you want to provide service to businesses on Main Avenue, come on along and 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 do it. And by the way, don't dig up our streets." Mm -hmm. um, meanwhile, at the at the regional level, uh, we uh, the cog really started uh, about five years ago with a $3 million grant from the Department of Local Affairs matched by with a million dollars from of local funding to build uh, civic infrastructure uh, that we can use to serve our um, public facilities. But we, we haven't been able to say, with the exception of Cortez, which had their broadband in place before SB 152 was passed, we have been unable then to leverage that to assist delivery of broadband to broad, more broadly in our community. Uh, we just received another grant from the Department of Local Affairs to do a broadband implementation plan. So we can say, all right, now how do, you know, particularly now that we most of us have already passed our overrides, a couple of more are on schedule for spring elections. Uh, once, once we have that legal ability, how do we leverage the assets we have and combine them most effectively to provide the broad service to our residents and our businesses. Hmm. Okay. Um, Scott, what's your take on the role of um, the, the public official, elected officials in this broadband movement? Yeah, so first of all, I am not an elected official. I'm uh, Summit County's assistant county manager. And so I, I would say from uh, from Summit County's perspective, the elected officials, obviously a big piece of their role was uh, identifying the, the decision or making the decision to place this override question on the ballot. Uh, they, of course, hear from their constituents routinely about the challenges around whether it's cellular service or broadband internet service, 
uh, or the lack thereof within uh, different parts of Summit County. Uh, and so this is this is the opportunity now for us to to take a much more active role in trying to address some of those issues where previously we were, uh, I guess, hamstrung and not really able to, to intervene very directly. Um, mm-hmm. We have, from a policy standpoint, the elected officials have certainly tried to engage with uh, our congressional delegation, um, tried to engage with uh, the, the large telecom um, uh, entities to try to encourage them to come into uh, different areas within Summit County where we are underserved or, or not served at all. And, again, have not had significant success. We've tried to uh, rally them around the idea of public safety and concerns about people not being able to uh, communicate via 911 calls and, and things of that sort as it relates to cellular infrastructure. Uh, but, again, we just haven't seen any significant movement. And, uh, and to the contrary of that, we did have a couple of cell phone towers that were uh, planned for development, uh, one on county property and another one on um, private property in a very um, underserved or unserved area within Summit County, sort of the rural north of Summit County. And uh, both of those tower projects were pulled off the table um, over the course of the last six months or so. And we have been working um, diligently at the policy level with the elected officials and at staff level to try to get those back on the table and, again, have had no success. So this gives us now the option uh, to come out and um, maybe more directly invest in some of those sites to try and improve that infrastructure within our county. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so my, my my last question, I guess, for you guys, um, and we'll start um, with, with Scott this time. <clears throat> what do you think is the the most significant impact that um, broadband will bring to your citizens? And it can either be, um, you know, the connectivity aspect of it or a specific use of the network or an application. But, you know, if you had to, you know, to sort of nail it down to just one primary thing, what would that one, one primary thing be? Well, I, you know, that's hard to do because I think a lot of the uh, the benefits or that there are several benefits that are all very um, near and dear to a lot of people. And in some cases, one person may identify um, the ability to have um, a business that operates effectively uh, in a somewhat remote capacity or remote location um, mm-hmm. versus somebody that is interested in it from a, uh, educational standpoint, we've got um, folks, again, more and more kids are, are relying upon their ability to connect um, when they're uh, working on schoolwork, when they're homeschooled, whatever the situation may be. Mm-hmm. And again, as you get into different areas within Summit County, you don't have that ability. Uh, and then there's a whole other group of folks that see this primarily as a public safety concern, that if they're at home, um, or they're driving down the road and there's an accident or there's an event and they can't um, utilize their uh, their cell phone, uh, that that creates a public safety concern for them. And so I think all three of those, whether it's, again, economic development from a business standpoint, educational development, uh, or public safety, those are the three big issues. Um, and, again, they're varying degrees depending on 
which group you're talking to or what location mm -hmm. uh, within the county you're looking at. Clearly, we have cell service within our core towns, um, and we have reasonable access to the Internet within the core of our towns. But as we move out away from the I-70 corridor um, or we move into some of the other areas that are a bit more uh, mountainous or, or geographically challenged, we've got a fair amount of folks in a number of those different areas that are just um, either completely unserved or, or very underserved uh, and have a hard time competing in today's day and age. Okay. So, Scott, uh, Scott, uh, Dick, what do, you, what do you think is going to be the main... I, well, I would, uh, first of all, pretty much echo uh, Scott's comments uh, when he was talking about public safety. We, of course, in the uh, here had the uh, Gold King mine spill uh, in August, and one of the problems, one of the complaints about the EPA was they were, well, they were slow to react. Well, one of the reasons for that was that they didn't have cell coverage at the site. And so this was, you know, case in point of the lack of cell coverage uh, inhibiting uh, prompt reaction from public agency. But uh, the, the first thing I think that came to my mind when you asked was uh, the, fa the knowledge that in La Plata County we have uh, an extremely appealing quality of life and there's a whole lot of people, especially millennials, who we've been told are going to move to the place they want to live and find jobs or, make, or, or start businesses to make it happen. And we, at this time, La Plata County is the 19th in the country in terms of home-based businesses. And a lot of these are Internet-based businesses, and the, it's very, very clear that uh, providing high-speed Internet is going to be critical for this element of economic development in our region. Uh, but I would, I would not surely not discount the, the educational piece as well. We've got Fort Lewis College in town, but then we also have rural schools in La Plata County uh, where students aren't going to come to town. Uh, they, we, we have it's an important fact that the Durango Public Library has branches at a couple of the rural elementary schools. And again, broadband Internet is going to be increasingly important to enable students, uh, particularly far from town, to um, access the resources that they, they use to learn. Hmm. Okay. Well, gentlemen, this has been very good uh, insights. I appreciate your time. I appreciate the the, the efforts that, that you and your respective communities have done um, because, you know, I'm a big, big fan of communities being able to make their best choices when it comes to broadband. So, you know, you are all, we're all kindred spirits in that respect. And so I, I just want to thank you for your, uh, you know, for all of your work. And hopefully we'll keep in touch. And as this moves along, whatever shape and form it goes into in the, in the next couple of years, um, you know, I want to know how things are, are going. So hopefully we'll, we'll be in touch again. So, so thank you both. I appreciate it. You're welcome. Great. Thank you very Pleasure. much. All righty. Um, we're going to let's see, we only got a couple of minutes here. I think we'll, we'll since Virgil was on uh for uh his whole hour a couple of weeks ago, uh I'm gonna go to back to Ken because there's an important issue uh, that I wanna try to that I wanna talk about. Um 
which is um, how does this election results, how do they influence or possibly influence other uh, states, especially those states that have uh, restrictions on public broadband? Well, I, you know, there's part of me that hopes it sends a message. Um, I, I think, if anything, I hope it sends a message to the localities and the champions of of local governments taking control of their broadband future. I'm not sure what kind of message it's going to send to um, our state legislatures. Uh, you know, we have uh, there's a number of these broadband prohibition bills and barrier bills in in a number of different states and and they're all somewhat different i mean our our um barriers to local governments being involved in broadband are are quite different than the ones in tennessee and north carolina that the federal communications commission recently um uh, preempted and and those differ from uh, barriers and prohibitions in other states so I, i'm not sure that what happened in Colorado yesterday is going to convince any state legislature, in, including ours, to uh, make significant changes in the law, as much as I'd like to think that from a logic standpoint it should. But I do hope that um, by so many Colorado communities basically saying our legislature threw up a hurdle we tried to work through that process to make it more palatable. Um, we got slammed back from the effort to do that, so we found another way. And hopefully that effort and that message will permeate through broadband champions in other parts of the country that are dealing with their own barriers, and they will get creative, and they will try to find another way. And... Uh, you know, at the end of the day, Craig, um, if we get enough people who don't like the restrictions that our elected officials are, are putting on us and how that impacts our ability to have local control over our own future, uh, then if enough people get involved and enough people get energized about it, we can always change our elected officials. And uh, we've seen some of that happen too uh, here in Colorado in um, in the public education arena just uh, yesterday. So yeah, I, um, I hope I, I hope the message around the country is uh, local control is critically important. And if you've got barriers and you've got hurdles that your state government has imposed, um, get creative, get organized, talk to your colleagues and other communities and figure out what the right way is to push back in your state. And uh, hopefully uh, some of the lessons that we've had here um, will um, will help some successful uh, moves in other communities and other states around the country. Okay. And we got time for one last question. Um, so in general, um, do you think that the broadband issue has – enough uh, oomph for it, enough uh, concern that people are going to become more political, I mean, particularly in those states where they have barriers to, to overcome, will this be a thing that will get people uh, engaged into the political process, do you think? 
I hope so, and I think it will uh, slowly over time become uh, something that rises uh, to the top of the list for more people. And again, I think we need to look back 10 years ago, and the majority of the population was not engaged in having this discussion. And yet last year we had the President of the United States, or earlier this year we had the President of the United States make a speech about municipal broadband uh, in Iowa. Uh, so, uh, you know, the mere fact that eight or ten years ago, those of us who were involved with this, thinking about the president making this a primary issue, uh, was something that w- wasn't even within the realm of possibility. So the, the issue is definitely elevated. There are far more people from the federal level all the way down to local elected officials like the ones that we've talked to today um, who are focused on how they can use uh, improving broadband to improve their communities. And uh, I think there's a lot of work still left to be done and a lot more people to bring onto this bandwagon. But I think the trend is moving in that direction, and I think we're going to see more and more of it going forward. Excellent. Well, it's, we're, it's, we're out of time. <laughs> we could have gone for a little bit, but it's been very Good to have this conversation uh, today, I have to say. And so, Ken, thank you very, very much for not only participating, but also helping me to get these other folks involved in in the discussion as well. So I really appreciate it very much. Well, thank you. It's been my pleasure. Um, As you know, I could talk about this stuff all day. So I appreciate the opportunity to share my views with your listeners and uh, look forward to continuing the discussion. Excellent, excellent. And to our listeners, um, thank you also for being here. Um, I I appreciate everyone's support. And uh, let's go get more interviews, more stuff going on that results in more, better, faster broadband everywhere it needs to be. Have a great day, and we'll talk again soon.